0: Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macareta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome everyone to This Girl Puts Out episode number 13. Today we're going to be discussing my guest's experience with a genetic disorder called Turner Syndrome. I'd like to welcome back my friend Jennifer today who was kind enough and brave enough to uh, reach out and say that um, she was willing to share once again with all of you. So I appreciate you, Jennifer. Welcome. How are you?
1: Great, how are you? Thank you so much.
0: Yes, I'm well, thanks. Um, and just for our audience members who, who don't know you from your prior podcast, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. For, um, for this podcast, I would like to talk about uh, my diagnosis of Turner syndrome at birth and what my life experiences have been um, throughout my diagnosis and throughout my 36 years of living with Turner's.
0: That's great. Um, I know there's probably a lot of people who um, don't know about Turner syndrome, but it's so important to know about these things um, because of the different ways it can affect a child and an adult. And um, we're in a time of inclusion in our world. And we certainly want to be aware of things that people are going through, uh, physically, mentally, and be supportive in any way we can. So, um, so you were you were born diagnosed with Turner syndrome, and um, tell us tell us your story from from the beginning. Um, and you know what uh, what exactly is Turner syndrome?
1: Sure. Um, when I was born, I my doctor noticed that I had the puffy hands and feet. Um, I had a little bit of neck webbing, which is just a little bit of extra skin on my neck. So he thankfully had been researching Turner syndrome and had been doing some um, further research with it in Europe, actually. So he recommended that I get some genetic testing done. And at two weeks old, I started um, being a patient at Children's Hospital. Um, in the endocrinology unit and was um, diagnosed with Turner syndrome. So he was correct right at birth, and I was thankful that at birth my doctor was able to diagnose me with it. Uh, Turner syndrome is a genetic disorder that um, affects females. It is when a female is missing an X chromosome. It affects your growth, your heart. Um, for me, it affects thyroid. Um, for many, it could also have some um, learning, learning challenges and education challenges. Um, it can also affect sexual development in females. And uh, the biggest thing about turners is that it does have many manifestations. I feel like the easiest way is to s- describe it as like autism where there's a spectrum of it. There's lots of different manifestations of it. And it it basically affects the females in different ways. Each one can have different cases and can um, have a very mild case of it or a more challenging case of Turner's. Mm
0: -hmm. So it affects a variety of body systems um, from from physical physical uh, characteristics to um, developmental things. So height, um, you mentioned neck webbing, heart, thyroid, ovaries. uh, Yes, a very wide, wide spectrum. So were you, would you consider your case mild, moderate, severe?
1: Um, I feel like my case is more mild. Mm -hmm. Throughout my life, I feel like I have, and meeting other girls and talking to other parents with Turners, I do feel like I have a more mild case. But I, I I also take that back to being diagnosed at birth, because in many cases that is rare. Most girls with Turners normally don't get diagnosed until thirteen years,
0: and so the caveat of being diagnosed late. Is that um, there are there are things that can be done for the ovarian development and the growth development that need to be started early? Correct.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. the um, The earlier that you're able to get some of these assistance in medicine and things like that, it, it for my, in my case it truly helped me a lot throughout mm-hmm. my teen years. Mm-hmm.
0: So you would be like missing a window of opportunity for uh, for treatments if you're diagnosed late. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, Okay. so early diagnosis is important. It's very important. Yeah. How serendipitous that you just happened to be born, um, you know, to a a pediatrician who happened to be studying Turner syndrome. I mean, I, I feel like that was surely god's hand in your life would you say i
1: i definitely believe so and it yeah. so he actually took many years sabbatical to go <coughs> excuse me to go research it and um go study it in europe after shortly after me so it was definitely a god set and blessing
0: wow so think about think about how you affected him though too you know what i mean like in in how your case affecting that physician and then him, him going to study more in depth and how eventually that affected thousands of other people. Like that's, that's just so amazing. That ripple effect, you know? Um, I don't know. Did you ever think about that, that, that you, you affected probably thousands of people in that way or no?
1: Um honestly no. I just thought it was honestly just a blessing that he knew what it was that he had studied it and that he wanted to study it further. Yeah.
0: Um well tell us tell us how your body was affected. What are the the um characteristics of Turner's that you experienced?
1: I have um short stature. Um I'm only about four eleven. I do have um, thyroid issues in which I take thyroid medicine every day since, goodness, I was about seven or eight. Um, I've had several tubes in my ears, tube surgeries, because many girls with turners do have hearing issues. um, And usually sometimes have to get hearing aids or just have trouble with hearing and ears. So I've had issues with that as well. Um, I've had to get um, a lot of bone scans, and when I was younger, to check the age of my bones to make sure that um, because being so petite, they wanted to check the age of my bones, the development of my bones. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been checked for my estrogen level, and I started estrogen therapy in my teen years. So, those are the biggest things, and I did start. Um, uh, growth hormone therapy when I was about eight. So that what that was, was a daily injection of growth hormone to help uh, my growth development and help improve my growth development on the chart and help see if I can get a little bit more hype, which thankfully it was a very s- successful uh, time for me. And I was able to, even though I'm only 4'11 now, mm-hmm. it did, was able to give me a few more inches on my height throughout the years, so I'm very thankful for that medicine
0: yeah um so as a as a child during your younger years what what would you say were some of the the major challenges that you experienced uh because of Turner syndrome
1: um My biggest challenge was obviously just um as I was getting older and developing and going into higher grades realizing how much my height how much shorter i was compared to my classmates and um i would also say the biggest challenge was the growth hormones i mean obviously taking a daily injection is not something that's fairly easy i got used to it but it still it
0: was a challenge Mm -hmm. um how did how did your your parents do with with this i know you're one of you're one of five and you're the oldest so um how did how did your mom handle handle all of this
1: um uh, my mom was um, well thankfully my mom is a nurse so she
0: <laughs> <laughs> bonus yes
1: yeah, so she was a huge help with with the eject- injections, and she always made me feel comfortable. My parents always made me feel comfortable with the injections. They would help me get through it. Um, obviously, being, having a large family, both my parents couldn't take off a day of work to take me to the hospital. So, my mom always did during my hospital visits. And she always, we always went out to lunch or, you know, kind of made it fun. And we'd go visit my dad at work just to let him know how my visit went. Um, so basically, they were just always very supported. They helped me through um, the injections. They always made me feel um, good about myself and having a positive attitude about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, well, they sound so supportive. What a what a great situation for you to be in. Um, you know, being a a young female is hard enough. Um, so it sounds like they were they were wonderful. Did you, um? did you feel, did you feel different? Did you have, um, were kids mean to you? Did you get made fun of?
1: No, um, I, of course I always had kids that would, you know, talk about me being short, but as far as being like bullied or uh, made fun of, it wasn't anything that was consistent. You know, of course they would just say, talk about my height and how short I was, but for the most part, I ha- actually had a good group of friends that were actually very supportive too, which mm-hmm. actually helped me a lot through school as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Good for you. So um, <clears throat> how does Turner's affect you as an adult?
1: Um, the biggest thing that affects me, the, how it affects me today, is obviously I still on the thyroid. Um, I get my heart checked every so often to make sure that that's good. And I still am dealing with hearing issues. Getting my, I see an ear, nose, and throat specialist on sinus issues and my hearing loss and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would have to say, and then of course I, I'm still on estrogen therapy and all that because being 36. And as I get older, women with turners, because of our estrogen loss and things like that, can go into menopause pretty early. Mm -hmm. So of course, she just wants my doctors just keep an eye on my estrogen level, my bones and things like that. My biggest thing that affects me, that has affected me as an adult is probably the infertility of um, not being able to have children
0: Mm -hmm.
1: due to my turners.
0: And and so, would you say you always wanted children? I mean, did you know when you were younger that you wanted to have a family? Oh yeah, I um
1: obviously I grew up with a big family. I've always wanted kids. Um, I actually moved out and became a nanny at sixteen. Um, I'm a nanny now and a fifth grade teacher now. So kids have always been a big part of my life, and I've always wanted a family of my own. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course it's that's why I would say it's probably been the biggest affecting me as an adult.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as an adult, was there was there a moment or an age where it really hit you, where it really set in, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to have my own children?
1: I would have to say the biggest moment that it kind of affected me was my sister was 19 So she was fairly young when she found out that she was pregnant with her first Mm -hmm. and I'm five years older than her. So at 24 and it just kind of hit me like I'm the oldest, but this isn't going to be, there's a very slim chance that this isn't going to be a part of my life. And it was so, you know, it was kind of like so easy for her. She wasn't, you know, planning it. So it just, when she found out that she was having her first it was a very happy and exciting moment for us of course. but it also was a moment for me to sit back and realize almost like the reality of it that, that this may not be a reality for me and may not be something that I would be going through
0: mhm um i would be remiss if i didn't if i didn't share that i i had a moment where i felt like that and it was You know, we remember very um, traumatic things that happened to us and very memorable things that happened to us in life. And and as you know, I had my son very late and there were many years where I was uh, getting infertility treatments and seeing a specialist. But I do remember a particular moment when it set in that it, it didn't look like I was going to be able to have kids. And I remember that moment so distinctly. I was sitting in my sister's house in Rochester holding her baby girl. And we got a phone call that my other sister was in labor. And I remember feeling all this love and just feeling overwhelmed with emotion. But part of it was, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy, but there's this pit in my stomach. Yes, that, there's that emptiness a little yes, bit. Yes, that this is not gonna be my path. And wow, it hits you like a ton of bricks. And that is just a, a whole other podcast. <laughs> you know? Um just I don't know. I my heart uh my heart you know, bleeds for women that, that want children that can't have them. And um, so tell us how how did you cope or how do you cope? How, how, you know, how do you get through it?
1: I get, I try to, my sisters have always been, um, obviously they know that it does hurt and stuff like that, you know, that of course I'm happy and excited for them, but they know that it's hard for me. So in the other sense that they've also been very supportive and talked to me about it. And I also have, um, I have talked to other women who have infertility issues and but have gotten some support that way. Um, and another, actually, another big support system for me has been my grandmother. Um, because she actually adopted my dad and my aunt because she couldn't have children. And her brother and her sister, she grew up with a large family as well. And her brother and sister, her sister had eight children. Wow. And her brother had several children. So she knew what I was going through. So she was also someone that I could go talk to about it. And um, she knew how I felt and she knew what I was going through. So she was a big support system for me as well so that's kind of how I got through it it's just by um, talking about it and not having that support and not bottling it all in and understanding that what I was feeling was okay
0: yeah you hit the nail on the head like getting it out and talking about it is step one in coping it's you know it's it's psychology 101 is you have to talk about it and uh that's so, I'm, I'm so happy that you had support coming from a lot of different places. And um, now you're surrounded by kids. Yes, <laughs> I, day, am. Every day. <laughs> I know you're an aunt to several and um, you said you still nanny, correct?
1: I do. I still um, nanny outside of my teaching um, and actually she, I actually just, woke up to a text this morning they just had a new baby so i was able to celebrate that with the family (laughs) Mm -hmm. she just uh the family i nanny for just had a new baby yesterday so i woke up to that picture this morning and i still nanny i still have i have 10 nieces and nephews they're always around and with me um i've always um had children in my life i teach so of course i go and and with children every day. Mm-hmm. So I, I you always use that as kind of a coping mechanism for me too, because I feel so blessed to have all these amazing students and children around me all the time.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I picture you. I mean, I, I see you at school, and I picture you with all your little ducklings <laughs> following you through the parking lot, through the schoolyard. And I just, when I see you in my mind, I see you surrounded surrounded by children. And um, I think it might be important to point out that in, in, you know, I'm sure not everybody feels this way, but not being able to have children doesn't make you feel negative in any way towards, you know, other women, or, or other children. It's, it doesn't, you know, take away from the love you feel from other kids and the happiness that you have for other people. That that remains, correct?
1: Of course. And actually, it, it sometimes I might say it even makes it stronger. Like, I feel like I am the aunt that I am and the teacher that I am, because I feel that much more blessed and stuff like that. Just have those emotions. So, to me, I feel like it can almost make it a little bit stronger.
0: Oh, that's awesome! That's great. Um, so, did you did you ever need professional support at any point?
1: Um, throughout my time at children's, I did see a, a counselor at children's just a couple times. They checked in on me, mm-hmm. uh, but that was just a couple times. And then when I was going through my counseling as an adult, um for my domestic violence and, um, certain things that I was going through. I did one of the things I did discuss with the counselor was the infertility. And so I did talk to my counselor about that. And actually when I was going through counseling at the time, my sisters were having more and more babies. <laughs> and, um, there were three times that two of my sisters were pregnant at the same time. Wow. So, um, and it just so happened I was going through counseling at that time. So I spoke to her about, you know, watching two of my sisters go through pregnancies and having more children. Um, so that, that would be, a, that was the support that I got through counseling.
0: And would you say um, counseling is helpful? Would you say it's a, it should be a part of anybody's, you know, uh, treatment or dealing with Turner's?
1: I do, because I think it's just another person to talk to, and it's another, like, I feel like talking about it is, which honestly is a reason for doing the, this podcast, because I feel like talking about it and being open about it is definitely helpful. It helps you realize that the emotions and stuff that you're going through is okay, and it's not as abnormal as you might think it is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you're not as lonely as you think you are, and you're not going through these things alone, so it i it's definitely very helpful
0: when I think having you know the continuous flow of pregnancies and babies in your life with your siblings, I mean, you didn't have a choice. you had to deal with it like there was no trying to hide anything i mean you were you were getting trialed or you were getting you know um challenged and having to face this stuff continuously for a number of years. Oh, yeah. It was there. It was in your face. I mean, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't escape it. You had to deal with it. You had to walk through it. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, absolutely.
0: Unless I stopped having a
1: relationship with my sisters or seeing them, of course, it was something that I did have to deal with. And at some point when I was going through counseling, I was able to talk to him about it, talk to her about it. And it, I was able to deal with the emotions and it made me feel much better. And again, it made the relationship with my sisters and my nieces and nephews stronger.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Um, how about, are there any health concerns still that, that you might have to deal with in the future? Like, are there things that, that could, could get worse or things that you still are going to have to keep on top of, you know, into your older years. I know you're only in your (laughs) thirties.
1: I have to keep an eye on, um, like I said, I just keep an eye on my estrogen levels Mm -hmm. and I still, um, my heart and my hearing are probably my three biggest things. Mm
0: -hmm. Are you able to, with the, with the heart issues, I know that, that you get surveillance basically, right? You don't, do you, you don't have any heart problems at this point.
1: And I've had a heart murmur, but um, I just get it checked regularly. Um, before surgeries, I have to have a bunch of stuff done um, to make sure that all is well. But mm-hmm. all has been well, and I just they just want to make sure it stays that way, so I just get it checked.
0: And Are you as physically active as you want to be? Can you, can you do like aerobic exercise? Can you run? Can you, you know, basically do anything physically you want to do?
1: Um, yeah, for the most part, running long distance is hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I still do yoga and I find other things that work really well for me. For, for the most part, I'm able to be very active and live a healthy lifestyle.
0: What do people need to know about Turner Syndrome um, so that they can be supportive to someone they might know that has it?
1: Basically that we are, even though we have our challenges, we are normal girls and normal women. And we can live, like I said, there's many manifestations of it. We can live a very normal, active life. Mm-hmm. and we just want to be treated that way and have that support.
0: Right, that's all anybody wants, right, is to feel normal and to feel accepted. I mean, that's what we all want. Yeah, that
1: is not who we are, but a part of us, and we take it in stride and do what we have to do and to live our normal lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as far as self-image and confidence goes, um, would you say that, you know, younger girls probably might have extra challenges with that if they have, you know, um, obvious physical characteristics?
1: Yeah, they do. Um, I'm in a couple support groups and I have, um, I do talk to a couple parents whose children have Turner, whose daughter has children, Turner's, and they just express you know, that they can have some confidence issues and self-image issues, especially if they might have a little bit more neck webbing they don't like or um, they're not confident with and things like that. But again, it's just making them being supportive and making them feel beautiful and that they're just as normal as any other girl or woman. But there's definitely that, Girls with turners, especially young girls, and I would say definitely the teen girls with turners can definitely have some confidence and um, self-image challenges that can be difficult to get through.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you have volunteered. Um, This is just one of the things that you do um, doing this podcast because you're very committed to Helping others by sharing your story. So, tell us about um, volunteering. How does that work? What What do you do to help other families?
1: Um, I have actually had other families. Basically, I just talked to other families. I in a couple support groups. I have um, a couple parents that have reached out to me um, from that are in the area. I have one from Buffalo that I speak to um, quite often. Um, that I've become friends with whose daughter has Turner's and I kind of keep updates with her and kind of ask her how her daughter's doing. She's on the injections right now. Mm -hmm. So I just ask, you know, kind of keep up with the school going and the injections. And, um, I feel like it's just kind of nice for her mom to have someone else to talk to who's been through it. she reached out to me, um, and wanted to know about the growth hormones (laughs) and how it affected me and things like that. So um, I just basically, I just leave it open for someone, for them to talk to, or if they have questions, they can reach out to me.
0: Mm -hmm. And you do that through a support group? I do. Uh And um, so I would imagine there are, um, I I did visit org, and they have resources for... um, education, and support, but I would imagine there's uh, groups on social media as well. Um, How did you find your support group, and what support group is it?
1: I found my support group through, um, actually, right through Facebook, actually through social media. There's some on Instagram, there's some through Facebook, and um, the one I'm in through Facebook is, it's just called Turner Syndrome, and it's more of women And girls, they're right in my area, very close to Western New York. So it's kind of nice to have um, that I can talk to women that are pretty local. And then there's also another one that I'm in that are out of the country and they live in other countries. But it's interesting to see the similarities and differences and to hear their stories. So, I also um enjoy that as well
0: mm-hmm. what um what have some of the the families shared with you um, basically the kind of stuff we 've been talking about um, just confidence, body image stuff or yeah com- medical related
1: yeah it's more um it's actually a little bit of all oh, it's the confidence in the self image it could be. Um, a lot of families are, um, as you can imagine, when their daughters put on the growth hormone, it's a big adjustment and it's scary. You're putting, you're doing daily injections and putting something into your body. And so they'll ask me if, how it worked for me. They'll ask me how I dealt with it. They'll, um, so a, a lot with the growth hormones too, because they want to make sure they kind of feel like it's, good to ask someone else is it worth it um how did you do it things like that so a lot of questions have to do with the growth hormones actually in the injections
0: sure um well if any of our listeners um have a question for you um they can certainly get to you through my website through this girl um so listeners please if if i'm sure jennifer would be willing to answer a question for you if you have one um, again she shared that there are a lot of facebook and social media support groups but turner syndrome.org is certainly a place where you could get education and support and um, i want to thank you jennifer for sharing your story again with uh, with this girl Puts Out and our listeners and I appreciate you being a part of, of this project so much. So again, thank you for being so generous with your sharing your life and intimate things with us. And I, I know that our listeners appreciate it too.
1: Oh, thank you for having
0: me again. Very, very much. Until next time, stay well, everyone. Thank you for listening. And This Girl Puts Out is officially signing off. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.